What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's going on? And we welcome you back for our second show on Tuesday. You're hearing this on Wednesday. Maybe you're watching on YouTube if you want to know what we look like. This is what we look like on YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. We're joined by Chris Chapasso, who was wearing a blazer. I shamed him for it. I told him he was too overdressed, and now he looks appropriate. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Also, Jamie and Heath are here. Whatever. We're going to talk Dynasty later in the show when Chris he, leaves. He's shaved. Who shaved? Oh, he's... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you did shave. You know, we were having... We had, we had a guest coming over. Had to clean up a little bit. Okay. You, that's, you mean Chris or you had a guest? Okay, that was no, a, I meant Chris. Oh, that's better. 100% <laughs> just for Chris. Okay, cool. We look I good. Said you thought it was power, so I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Well, Chris is on the show because he has studied these quarterbacks. He's, he's an NFL draft guy for us, and he watched every throw that these rookie quarterbacks made in 2021. So I'm going to start with a question for you, Chris. And by the way, you can follow him at Chris Trapasso, which is at Chris, T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. If you're redrafting, not in fantasy, I'll, I'll get the fantasy stuff to, to Jamie and Heath, but if you're redrafting now, if you're a GM, you're doing it over again after one year, how would you draft the rookie quarterbacks? Um, the specific order would be pretty tough because none of them were really that great, uh, and that's including Mac Jones. Uh, I think Davis Mills would have to go somewhere inside the first round, uh, particularly based on the fact that he played, I thought, pretty well down the stretch. Like A lot of that was in garbage time and in games that really didn't matter. Um, even that season finale against Tennessee that did matter, he was actually really good in that contest. Um I, I think Mac Jones would have to go a little bit higher. I, I still believe in the natural talent that Trevor Lawrence has, uh, Justin Fields, even Zach Wilson, even though Lawrence and Wilson were pretty hard to watch almost the entire rookie seasons for both of them. I would still draft them probably one and two. Trey Lance, I'm fine with being the third quarterback off the board because we kind of knew he needed a redshirt season and that it was all about the future for him and his running ability and the arm talent. Um, after that, I think you could throw in Mac Jones, maybe ahead of Justin Fields, but I, I would like to get Davis Mills into the first round if I was doing a redraft. And I know that, you know, third round picks typically don't stick at the quarterback position, especially if there's a coaching change for on a rebuilding team. But really Davis Mills showed a lot of that promise that 
um, we saw in kind of a limited basis at Stanford uh, this past season with the Houston Texans. Okay, so you'd stick with Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, and then maybe yes. Jones, Fields, Mills. Yep. Okay, that's it. We're redrafting in the NFL draft. Heath, Jamie, Heath, you can go first. Rank them for 2021. 2021? Two. That would be much easier than yeah, 2022. 20 <laughs> uh, 2022, fantasy-wise, I would go Fields, Lance, Lawrence, Wilson, Mills, Jones. Okay, Jamie? Uh, Kyle Trask, one. <laughs> um, I would go Lance, Fields, Lawrence, Mills, Wilson, Jones. Oh my gosh, what a what a disrespect to Mac Jones. Wait, Heath, where did you have him? Uh last. What a last. disrespect to Mac. What is come on? You, you know, I thought the knock on him was uh, he just doesn't throw the ball downfield. He was twelfth in air yards per pass attempt. See what yeah, you know, I don't I don't know how well, wait, like, that might change my rankings. Well, but because everybody wants to knock him for everything, but he was by far the best rookie quarterback, by far. He was one of the better rookie quarterbacks we've seen in a while. And I'm not saying I necessarily disagree. I'm just saying, give the guy a little bit of love. He also had 129 rushing guards. Luckily, he had 15 rushing yards. He's not Phillip Rivers. He's not Stafford. Uh, Chris, what did you see from Mac Jones? And again, the, the air yards, they actually did really surprise me because the impression, that the, the knock that people want to give on him, everybody wants to knock him is that he just didn't make any throws downfield and he was just thinking and dunking all year. Yeah, I was not really that impressed with Mac Jones, so I would kind of align uh, with their rankings as well that that he would be near the bottom of my list for 2022 for fantasy um, in that I, I think Josh McDaniels did as good of a job as any other offensive coordinator like scheming open throws for him. So even some of those downfield throws were to like wide open wide receivers on deep over routes or Hunter Henry down the seam off play action or a throwback to the tight end. Um, and so in this series that I did for CBSSports.com this year, I did it in 2019 too. I had a best throws column and a worst throws uh, like subheading every single week. And it was basically trying to find like the really good high caliber throws and then like the really bad decisions or the off target throws from every quarterback about six or seven games for Mac Jones, like up until December, it was hard to find throws for either category because what he was asked to do was just not really that much, like easy throws into the flat drag routes screens. And I think that's why there's a lot less hype for him going into 2022, despite, you know, the Patriots making the playoffs and him, like you said, being by far the best rookie quarterback. He's great for them. Yeah. For sure. He, he's great for what they want to do. You know, I, I mean, look, you're going to see the evolution of Mac Jones. He's going to improve. Uh, I think they're going to improve their receiving core. At least that's the hope, uh, you know, because Jacoby Myers is not a, a number one. Kendrick Bourne is not a number one. Nelson Aguilar, those guys are all complementary pieces. I mean, they, they fill their roles. Uh, the tight ends really did not materialize, I think, the way that the Patriots probably hoped with the money that they spent. But they want to run the ball. They want to play good defense and they want to limit the mistakes that their quarterback makes. And so yep. he fits what they want to do now. Again, you know, they, they followed that same path with Tom Brady. I get not to make the comparison, but, you know, it was game manager to superstar. And maybe the same thing happens to Mac Jones over time. But I don't think from a fantasy perspective, you know, different conversations, I'm sure, from where Chris is coming. But but fantasy wise, things are going to really have to change dramatically for him to be 
a great fantasy quarterback. And I just don't see that happening next season. Yeah, but you're, and, ta- you're taking Kyle Trask over him, Jamie. I mean, that's just... Uh, <laughs> uh, if Kyle Trask is the starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I will you're, draft you're Kyle Trask out of Mexico. Okay, he, uh, Heath? I, and I also don't think it's really fair to say he was by far the best rookie quarterback if you're talking about fantasy. I think he was a point no, and a half better, better than Davis Mills, and Davis Mills played a half a game. I wasn't talking about fantasy. And I don't know that necessarily, like all other things being considered, I'm not sure he was convincingly better than Davis Mills last year in real life. But he was much better than Fields, and obviously much better than Zach Wilson. And it was much better, it was much better than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was statistically dreadful. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was probably the worst quarterback in football just based on the stats. What did you see, Chris, from Lawrence? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, like you said, was really like there was a case that he was the best or the worst quarterback in football this past season. What was so weird about it from watching him on film at Clemson and then going into that situation, which of course was not great with Urban Meyer, is that he was missing layups. There were some easy throws for him in September, October, even into November, where four, five, six throws a game that should have been easy completions that any starter in the league could make that Trevor Lawrence was either airmailing or throwing into the feet of his receivers. Later, there were some of those high-caliber tosses and and like the improvisation ability that we saw from him that was part of the reason he was so highly touted. But it was just strange seeing him miss open receivers and being slow processing what was going on. Like I I wasn't shocked to see that from Justin Fields. That was kind of the uh, book on him coming out of Ohio State was that it was such a wide open offense there and he needed to kind of throw to his first read. But Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be a guy that could go from first read to second read to third read and still make accurate throws. And it all just seemed way too fast for him. Really the only positive thing that you can take from the beginning of Trevor Lawrence's season to the end of it he only had a 5% sack rate, which is actually pretty low for a rookie quarterback. It's less than half of what Zach Wilson's sack rate was at 10.3%. So Lawrence did do a pretty good job behind what I thought was a pretty bad offensive line, getting rid of the football. But in terms of making good decisions, not forcing the football into precarious situations, uh, throwing with accuracy, really any of the, the boxes that you need to check to be a good quarterback, will, uh, Trevor Lawrence did not check any of them. You know, I, I watch games with uh, with Pete Prisco every week, and he obviously is well in tune with the Jaguars. He does their uh, weekly radio show with Tony Baselli, and so you know he's watching a lot of Jaguars games and then rewatching them, and then you know you get the the, the secondary analysis uh, during the current game. You know, from what he's watched the previous week, and you know he would always point out like uh, a the Jaguars receivers, especially after DJ Chark was out, they just didn't win uh, on a lot of their routes because there just wasn't a lot of speed there with those guys, you know, Marvin Jones, you know, lost a half a step. LaVisca Chenault, never really a speed guy. Um, you know, relying on Dan Arnold, we had this conversation about our rankings disputes, you know, not necessarily the best thing from a quarterback perspective. And then a lot of times he's, you know, three steps, five steps, whatever, you know, the, 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 the progressions were, you know, he's, he's foot in the, in the ground to make a throw. He's got somebody in his face. And so, you know, Chris's point, he's getting rid of the ball, but he's, he's doing it with somebody probably draped on him or, or, or at least close enough to him. So they have a lot to fix. Uh, he certainly has the potential to take a huge leap forward, and that's obviously the hope for Jaguars fans, obviously for fantasy managers that invested in him as the best quarterback coming into the draft last year for dynasty purposes. So uh, he, he's he's going to get better. It's just a matter of what they put around him to help him get better and who wants to come play with him. Uh, that's the hope moving forward. 
Chris, I don't know if you recall off the top of your head his week 18 film. I was just watching it b- before. Uh, before What's so funny? Heath, what are you laughing at? I didn't say anything at all. I, you're la- I heard you laugh. I thought, I, no, no. No, I didn't laugh. I just smiled. <laughs> okay. uh, I heard you smile. Anyway, I was just watching it before the show. This is Trevor Lawrence, week 18. This was against the Colts. This was a huge game. Remember, the Colts choked. All they had to do was beat Jacksonville. They were in. They lost. I thought he was awesome. If that was the only was. game you watched from Trevor Lawrence, I and mean, he was making great throws, he had a lot of time. First of all, his line did a very, very good job. The Colts didn't really get to him. He had a play where the ball was snapped over his head, or he deflected it. He was inside the five yard line, his uh, Indianapolis, and he gets the ball. He rolls out, and he somehow throws a great touchdown in the back of the end zone to Marvin Jones. Earlier in the game, he had another touchdown that was dropped. I just thought he was outstanding, and I'm wondering if you saw a lot of that as the season progressed, or if that was just a one-game blip and we shouldn't make too much of it? I think the fact that it was at the end of the season and that it was kind of the culmination of, outside of getting blown out by the Patriots, like the last month of the season, he looked to be maybe not the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> oh, like nice. From, from September until mid-December, he looked like this is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Last three or four games, things did look to be a little bit slower for him in terms of coverages and where he needed to go with the football. I was just looking at my uh, spreadsheet that I I had, and my grades were kind of just based on feel. Like I wasn't tracking every single throw and assigning those a grade. That was a 95 from Trevor Lawrence. He had one other A-minus game. Um, So that was the best game from him. And and I guess if you're a Jaguars fan, if you're – uh, an owner of him in dynasty you, you like that in a crucial game against a pretty good defense with some playmakers on it Lawrence like looked the part as he enters year two okay Heath I don't know if you want to get into Lawrence or we can do some upside downside fantasy questions I don't yeah I just think like it. the hard thing for him and the reason like it might sound weird for some people to hear us Jamie and I both say Fields and Lance ahead of Lawrence because Lawrence was ahead of those guys last year and they didn't really do anything to take the step but the the thing is, Trevor Lawrence did not give us any indication that he's going to make a major impact. I mean, he'll run for the same amount of yardage maybe that Patrick Mahomes does. He has to make such a leap as a passer in the second year to be just fantasy relevant, just to get into the discussion for the low-end top 12. And I think that's the disadvantage he's at in comparison to Fields and Lance. Those guys might run for six, seven, eight hundred yards next year. And they don't really have to get a lot better as a passer. A little bit, sure. But they can do enough of their legs to where we'll love them for fantasy anyway. It's it's a really – I don't know how many quarterbacks we've seen be as bad – like taking running out of it, be as bad passing the ball as he was as a rookie and then be average or better in their second year. Like it's a big leap for one year. But there's a path to it though. I mean it, it, it's clearly going to be decided what happens this offseason. You know, if, if, they, if they bring in – Top tier talent to put around him, then there's definitely a path to see him get significantly better because the coaching will be better. I mean, the Urban Meyer experiment was obviously a complete disaster. Uh, the again, the weapons were a disaster. The offensive line was a disaster. So, you know, if they can bring in two pieces on the line, two pieces in the receiving core, you know, whatever the case may be, ETN is going to be obviously a, a big weapon that they didn't have last season. So there, there's a definite path to success. Whether that's top twelve fantasy quarterback success, I I don't I couldn't tell you, but you know I think a lot of people are going to be excited to draft him as a second quarterback with the hope that he can become that type of guy. Jared Goff comes to mind, I would say, as a guy who took a huge leap from his terrible rookie Jared year. Goff. 
Yeah, now I doubt he was that good for fantasy. He's only threw for 3,804 yards in 15 games. He just didn't really throw that much. But then the following year was 4,700 yards, 32 touchdowns. But he went from a 63.6 passer rating to a 100.5 passer rating. There's one other guy I want to look at here, and that was Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, obviously, he had that rushing stuff too, but he was... Yeah, he took a big. Uh, he went from These are the guys that Jaguars fans want to hear. Yeah, I know. Well, that's <laughs> you know maybe you could have a, a jump, but I don't know if you could sustain it. But I don't know. Lawrence obviously a better prospect than those guys, even though Goff was a number one pick. All right, so who has from? from but he was. He was. Right. Well, and Trubisky was the second overall pick. Yeah, but Lawrence was a better pro. I mean, Lawrence was Chris. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Right. Lawrence was a much better prospect than those guys. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. One other player that I would say that we always hear about Josh Allen's year three jump, but going from his rookie season to 2019, he went from like literally the first two months of his rookie season in Buffalo looked like he was not an NFL starter at all, and then down the stretch, like last four games, made some plays with his legs, looked a little bit better as a passer. And then in 2019, when the Bills went 10 and 6 and went to the playoffs, he was still doing some stupid stuff. He was still sugar high Josh Allen a lot, <laughs> but looked like he could, again, make another jump. Like, I, I think that might be more of the blueprint if you're a hopeful Jaguars fan or a fantasy owner that you realize that, you know, he's never going to be a running threat like Josh Allen because he's like 30 pounds lighter than Josh Allen. But, you know, super talented guy, big quarterback, has the arm talent to be you know, an upper echelon passer. So maybe look at Josh Allen from 2018 to 2019 if you're trying to do a positive spin on Trevor Lawrence developing. Oh, we got it. Where's the, what's the accent, Chris? This is such a unique accent here. What do we got? It's Western New York, right. Buffalo area. So that's why I brought up Josh Allen. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's per, It's uh, yeah. I, I thought after the Josh Allen thing, I thought maybe we get, we'll find out where that accent's from. Okay, so first of all, I just want to remind everybody that uh, a lot of other sports are going on. I know football is over, but we got a lot going on in the sports world. Make sure you get the CBS Sports app. It is the best scoring app for your phone. It's also where you can get breaking news alerts, stories by our guys, standing schedules, team pages, all the sportsy digital stuff you're used to. And of course, if there's a game airing on CBS, that means it's streaming on the CBS Sports app. It's very easy. Just download it, uh, re-download it if it's got that little cloud logo next to it on your phone. And you know we love those five-star ratings, so don't hesitate to drop one for the app. As far as these now going to be year two quarterbacks go, who has the most fantasy upside? I'll let all of you answer. We'll go Jamie, Heath, Chris. Who has the most fantasy upside, Jamie? I, I, I can't imagine anybody has more upside than Trey Lance if he hits. I mean, just based on what he could do uh, with his legs and, you know, hopefully what he does as a passer. But, you know, if Kyle Shanahan can sort of un, un, unleash him and unlock the potential there, then you got to love what the upside is. The weapons are as good as anybody may have, you know, with what Debo Samuel showed you, George Kittle is, and and Brandon Ayuk can become. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I love Justin Fields. I love the upside of Trevor Lawrence, but I think, you know, Trey Lance has the most upside by far. Um, I'll say Justin Fields just because I think in year two, I, I have more hope that he could be an accurate passer in year two. Um, I think maybe long-term Lance might have that, I, but I don't think in year two, Lance has quite as much upside as a passer as Fields does. And I think Fields is closer to Lance as a rusher. So I'll say Fields, but it's Fields or Lance. Yeah, I'll say Trey Lance. And I would put Justin Fields at number two for a lot of the reasons that Heath just said, because I, I did think coming out of college, uh, Justin Fields was a more talented passer than Trey Lance. Um, and Trey Lance, I mean, we never really have seen Kyle Shanahan with a athletic quarterback. Like how much is he going to be used in the designed run game? I think Justin Fields is, 
uh, a better scrambler and will not hesitate to run with the football if he doesn't like what he sees. Um, so that could lead to, like you guys mentioned, six, seven hundred, maybe eight hundred rushing yards in his future. That would certainly add a little boost to his fantasy value. But right after Trey Lance got drafted last season, I wrote an article ranking the quarterbacks by situation. And I just ranked every uh, layer of that, like defense, offensive line, coaching, skill position, talent. And Trey Lance came out at number one in all categories. I thought he was in an awesome situation. Uh, he's still in a very good situation now that we pretty much are sure he's going to take over that starting role. So most upside, definitely Trey Lance, but right behind him, Justin Fields, because of his passing ability. Listen, Chris, Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub are really pissed off at you right now. Talking about <laughs> not that was not disrespectful. Mobile, You're right. Not non-athletic quarterbacks uh, at Kyle Shanahan. You know, that's just occasionally, totally occasionally Matt Ryan could make some plays with his legs, but designed run game and running over linebackers. I don't really think that's they, uh, his they were, forte, uh, or really ever was. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody here, but they 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 were together with RG3, right? You're right. It's ten. It's been ten years, and I already forgot yeah. about RG three. No, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm as, as did I. But you know, I, I, he was part of that. That was the McVeigh McDaniel, right? They were all yeah. together at the same time. Yeah. So, how many yards did he run for that year? RG three, a lot in that rookie 800, season. 900? Yeah. No. So there's the upside. Really? Was it that many? I doubt it. I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, go ahead. Heath. I'll give you some numbers, some rushing numbers to get you. Eight fifteen. Wow. Jeez, eight fifteen. He led that. the league at six point eight yards per attempt, rushing. Uh, wow, I think wow. I would have remembered the yards per carry. I only That's only for running backs for me. So Justin Fields, he wasn't really running when he started starting. Basically, his first three starts, he ran for twenty three yards, something like that. His last six starts, not including the one he left with an injury, his last this is such an azer stat. His last six healthy starts, he averaged fifty six point three rushing yards per game. That's 958 rushing yards in 17 games. Trey Lance, take away the games where he just kind of came in as a gimmick or whatever. He had basically had two and a half games. He started two games and he came in at halftime or just after halftime in the Seattle game in week four. In those two and a half games, <laughs> you take two and a half, you go 17 games, he was on pace for 1,095 rushing yards. <laughs> That's what he showed. Incredible. 64.4 rushing yards per game if you look at two and a half games. Uh, so those guys, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to rush for a thousand yards, but they showed some potential to do that uh, in 17 games, of course. Now, who has the most downside among the quarterbacks? And I'm going to not just overall downside, but downside based on where you where you're going to have to draft them. So hmm. I think it's more of a consideration. Trey Lance and Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's got. I I think it's probably more Lance than Fields, just yes. because like. Who knows if he's any even ready yet? Okay. Chris, do you think he's ready? Yeah, I do. I think he's ready. And that I've seen, I mean, I guess the quarterbacks mostly that Kyle Shanahan has had at his disposal in the past were more of those low ceiling but high floor types. But the fact that he's been able to get like eight yards per attempt out of guys like Nick Mullins and Brian Hoyer and, uh, you know, spot starts here and there from guys that are pretty just not that talented. Uh, I think by next season, uh, at the start of the year, Trey Lance will be ready. Uh, again, I'm just 
really interested and intrigued by how much he's used in the design run game. As a passer, it might take him a month or so to really settle in, but this is one of the most time-tested offensive quarterback-friendly schemes in the NFL with you know Kyle Shanahan as the head coach. So I think he'll be ready, and then we'll you know sprinkle in the design run game and the scrambling ability a lot. You're going to step into one of the best left tackles in football, one of the best tight ends in football, one of the best do-it-all receivers maybe that we've seen in the last 10 years, uh, a run game to support you, a defense that's not going to put you in a lot of compromised situations. It's a dream setup for any quarterback, you know, so he just has to take advantage of it, and hopefully he does. Yeah, and he has to beat out Tom Brady probably. That, that might be a little tough. <laughs> Who's your favorite in Dynasty? Favorite in Dynasty, Heath? I'll I'll stick with being the uh, Fields fanboy. I've got him, then Lawrence, then Lance. Jamie, yeah, Lance Fields, Lawrence. That's the order for me. Chris, yeah, that's the same order, same as Jamie. Um, I, I just think that, like he mentioned, the situation is good. Kyle Shanahan's not going anywhere. Uh, maybe if you're really looking long view in Dynasty, the fact that Trent Williams is getting up there in age, and they may have to be replacing him in the next couple of seasons. And it's going to be a downgrade because Trent Williams is that good. Um, but I, I think right now it it would be easy to say, hey, why are you putting Justin Fields ahead of Trevor Lawrence, especially when he got injured and it's a new coaching staff. But again, I, I never really thought that Justin Fields was that less talented than Trevor Lawrence. I thought they were actually pretty close in terms of their athleticism, the arm talent, uh, and just the productivity that they had at, at two marquee programs in college and feels there's a there's a lot to get excited about you know and all the stuff Heath said and i know we've talked about this a little bit in, in the last couple of weeks they have to add a receiver i mean you know this is yeah. a team that's losing Allen robinson that somebody has to step in there you know hopefully it's it's somebody of significance but it could be in the draft i know they don't have a lot of draft capital but uh could be in the draft could be free agency you know and and that's something that he did not have last season you know, Adam, I know you're excited about Cole Komet. Hopefully he takes a step forward. You know, Darnell Mooney's clearly starting to establish himself as, as a good receiver. I don't know if he'll be a great receiver, but he's got that potential. Good running back out of the backfield. Might get another weapon to Tariq Cohen if he's healthy. And then the coaching staff. You know, I mean, Matt Nagy obviously has uh, shown some things, but clearly had a lot of flaws. And so we'll see, you know, if Matt Eberflus and his, his staff there is, uh, you know, going to, you know, do things to, to maximize Justin Fields. So there's a lot to like about him. You know, for me, it's one and one A. You know, I, I don't want to make it seem like there's a, uh, a big drop off fantasy wise, you know, we could see what happens, you know, just in terms of their play. But I, I think there's a lot to like about both those guys. And then you hope to see Trevor Lawrence join them. I mean, yeah. you know, it'd be fun to see, you know, uh, a debate about these three guys. I mean, think about the conversations that we've had about Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson the last couple of seasons, you know, just from that class, you know, for a while it was okay. Baker Mayfield was, was maybe in the mix a little bit, uh, you know, as well, but clearly, you know, what those two guys have done, you hope to see these three quarterbacks being, you know, talked about as just superstars for the next several years. Yeah, see, I, I, I'll just be different here. I'm going to go Lance third, and it's a real toss-up to me between... I have Lance third. That's not different. What did you say? I said Fields, Lawrence, Lance. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you went Field, Lance, Lawrence. You, that's okay. I think that's where I am, too. And I might even be Lawrence one, but I just... Look, everybody, all of the evaluators are going to have to be so wrong about Trevor Lawrence, I think, for him to not be a great pro. It's possible that happens. But... About uh, not being a great pro? No, what I'm saying is everyone thought he was going to be amazing. So oh. uh, everyone would have to be wrong for him to not be a great pro, is, is what I was trying to say. And I don't want to judge him too harshly. I know he's not going to have the rushing totals. But when I look year after year after year of the quarterbacks who finish in the top five, 
they all have good seasons or some great seasons as passers. They all do. So that to me is the most important thing first is are you going to be a good passer followed by the rushing? And I think he rushes enough. So I don't know that he's going to be the best next year, but I think just from a dynasty standpoint, kind of leaning Lawrence one, but definitely ahead of Lance just because there's so much uncertainty there. Uh, but yeah, my two cents. But I guess Heath, I'm sorry about that, Heath. I, I heard you wrong or I already forgot. Or maybe I just got thrown off by the the lack. Of I mean, Lawrence there. ran for 900 yards in three seasons. Right, right. He's he's gonna run. I think you compared him to Mahomes, Heath. If I heard that and remember right. that correctly, <laughs> yeah. Right. So they ran for about the same amount of yardage last year. Yeah. So I, he think he runs enough to be. If he's as good as everyone says he is, I think he runs enough to to be in the discussion as a potential number one quarter superstar, number one quarterback in, in football. He just he's not there yet. But I don't know. Yeah, it's he's definitely top three for everybody. It's definitely top two for me. All right, let's talk about Zach Wilson. And Chris, you said you'd still take him second. What did you see from Zach Wilson? And you said that not from a fantasy standpoint, but from a NFL draft. Recap. Yeah, yeah, just a, just from a draft perspective. And that's, I'll probably admit, it, it, it takes me a little bit longer to give up on someone that I really liked in the draft process. Um, but in terms of his film, uh, like I said earlier, 10.3% sack rate, which is an insanely high number. Uh, there was a little bit str- a, a little bit of a stretch in December where Zach Wilson did look like that was he was kind of settling in. He was getting more comfortable in that offenses, uh, targeting Braxton Berrios a lot more, just getting the ball out. But then in that regular season finale against the Bills, he got sacked a bunch of times, like threw for under 100 yards. It's kind of a, a sour note to end on. But I did see those flashes, the arm talent flashes where he's running outside the pocket, keeping his eyes up, uh, dropping it down the field in the bucket. And he was a surprisingly good runner. He had like a 40 or 50 yard run late in the season uh, against the Titans. in that surprising win, I think in late September or early October looked like the BYU Zach Wilson that really elevated him to being the number two overall pick. I think with Lawrence, a big key will be the Jaguars defense getting better. So he's not feeling forced to throw the football into tight windows and take too many risks. For Wilson, the Jets' offensive line just needs to get better because at BYU, in that wide zone scheme, he was hardly pressured, could really survey the field and just let his natural ability as a passer show. Then he goes to the Jets. Mekhi Becton's hurt. The offensive line is really patchwork. Um, I think Joe Douglas, given his time in Philadelphia, understands the importance of an offensive line, especially for a young quarterback, and will continue to invest. Um, but as that offensive line gets better, I think there will be a straight correlation with Zach Wilson imp- improving in real life and in fantasy. And get everybody healthy at the same time. I mean, Corey Davis yeah. in and out, Elijah Moore in and out of the lineup, Michael Carter. You know, I mean, th- those those guys together can certainly make a quarterback look a lot better than they do. You know, so um, again, you know, you got to just sort of wait to see how these these teams sort of come together and what they look like in building run. You know, you, re- you referenced, uh, you know, Josh Allen's leap um, into year three and think about what they did for him. You know, it was a slow build yeah. with uh, John Brown and Cole Beasley and, and, and Stephon Diggs and just putting, you know, talent around him. Uh, Kyler Murray, you know, the addition of, of DeAndre Hopkins and putting a, a, a premier talent around him. You know, the Dolphins tried to do that with Tua. It didn't, didn't work necessarily, but the high draft pick of Jalen Waddle, bringing in Will Fuller, adding him to Devontae Parker and Mike Kosecki, just didn't really see it all together because of Fuller's injury. But, you know, that's what these these front offices need to do is just put talent around these guys. If you're going to invest in them, make it so that they can be successful, you know, and it's, it's not just that it's obviously offensive line is, is huge key, but 
you know, Adam, you obviously know this. It's, it's the, the Giants attempted that this season, but did they do the right thing with, with the offensive line? I mean, you, you can see that they tried to do it. You know, uh, with, That was the thing. They completely neglected the offensive line, and they said, we believe in our guys more than everybody else does, and they, they sucked, except for, right. except for Andrew Thomas. <laughs> they did take him, but the, the Jets have two years in a row drafted a lineman in the first round. They brought in some guys who weren't that good, but they're trying. I mean, they're, they, they yeah. do understand, it seems, the importance of the offensive line. I, I think uh, I, I want to go a different – I'm just going to completely go off the rails here for a second, Adam, but I need to ask Chris a question because Jamie brought up Tua. And I think that's – like, and we're at that point now with talking about Zach Wilson and the guys after him. Like, where does this class compare to Jalen Hurts and Tua? Because that's a decision. Like, that, that, that rankings part, I think most people are going to have Fields and Lance and Lawrence ahead of both of those guys. Um, maybe not everybody. But, like, where those guys rank with Tua and Hurts is really interesting to me. I actually like Jalen Hurts more than I like Tua right now in real life and for fantasy. And and this is coming from someone that certainly like I, I was with everyone else. I had Tua behind Joe Burrow in the 2020 class, uh, not that far ahead of Justin Herbert, but I, I, I really liked him and I was not that keen on Jalen Hurts ever becoming even like a quality, like a middle of the road starter. I think both quarterbacks in watching them, because the series that I did was was rookie quarterbacks and second-year quarterbacks, they were both in a situation. Uh, I think Nick Sirianni did a great job just scheming open throws, high percentage tosses, same for Tua um, with that kind of split offensive coordinator weird situation this, this past year. Jalen Hurts looked more comfortable as a passer to me as the season progressed. I thought he took less risks. Um, he was not putting the ball into harmful situations as frequently. And he, of course, he's a much better scrambler. I think really watching Tua, we saw a little bit of a step into year two, but too many times it just looked like his athleticism was stretched to the limit when he was under pressure, couldn't really evade a lot of those defensive ends, defensive tackles, blitzing linebackers, and the arm talent really is just not there. I think Jalen Hurts has actually developed a lot better than Tua in these first two seasons. That offensive line was a travesty, though. Absolute disaster. It was. For, it was. For Tua. So, you know, I, again, this is, a, this is a big offseason. You know, this is, a, okay, we got a new coach. He's an offensive genius. You know, this is, you know, what everybody's looking to see. Is he going to help, you know, maximize his talent? But they have the most cap space of any team as of now. So go invest in that line. Go give him all the protection that he needs and, and see if he can, you know, make Jalen Waddle a superstar and whatever else they put around him. But if they don't fix that offensive line, you just wasted, you know, three years of Tua Tungabello. Yeah, yeah, and I just, maybe I'm missing something. When I looked at the free agent offensive lineman, I just didn't really see, other than Teron Armstead, a lot of opportunities. But, but again, you can be creative upgrade. like the Chiefs. You know, you can find sure. ways to, you know, take guys off of other teams' rosters. But you don't have a first-round pick, so that's going to be do hard. Have a first round pick. They do? Yeah, they have the 49ers. Oh, they have the 49ers. Okay. So they have a late for that's what the Chiefs had, right? They got a left tackle for the last pick in the draft or the second to last pick in the first round, whatever it was. Uh, all right. So Davis Mills, the last guy we're going to talk about here. And Chris, you already you already said he if you're redrafting, you'd like to see him become a first round pick. Uh Heath and Jamie, do you see any fantasy appeal? They say Davis Mills is our guy. You know, he's our starter starter week one. We're riding with him the whole season for the Houston Texans. Heath, is there any fantasy appeal to Davis Mills? And then I guess, who would you take, Mills or Zach Wilson in that scenario? I would still take Wilson over Mills, but I do think that, listen, 
more and more we see dynasty pushing towards that super flex two quarterback format because there's so many good quarterbacks. I think Davis Mills could be a very good number two quarterback. He could be a very good streaming option off the waiver wire against the right matchups. And who knows? He could continue to improve and actually be better. But I, I think for the most part, his upside right now to me looks like high end number two quarterback. I would put him behind all the guys we've talked about so far from a dynasty perspective, just because his future is so uncertain. But in terms of a projection for next year, I'd take him over Mac Jones. You like to see, you know, guys in just disastrous situations thrive. And I think like, you know, you, you compare his situation to Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. He showed you things, you know, and, and, and Chris, obviously, I'm sure, you know, evaluating this, you know, you, you look and you say, OK, this is a just a disaster. You know, all across the board disaster. We knew the Texans were going to be bad. You know, at least with the Jaguars and the Jets, you thought, okay, the quarterback might make some plays and it could be something that it's worth watching. Davis Mills, when you watched it, you were like, okay, you got to worry about this guy if you're facing him. And and certainly he, you know, as we had the conversation with, you know, Brandon Cooks from our our rankings conversation uh, on the Monday show, or the Tuesday show, excuse me, um, that he he looked apart you know he he absolutely looked apart and I, I know at the end of the season Heath we had I think it was a believe it or not topic for you about him you know getting the opportunity to be the guy next year he absolutely should you know it, it it's not necessarily don't overlook something if it lands in your lap and clearly they're going to have an asset to trade if Deshaun Watson's able to play and so you know you ask about you know Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tungabailoa if if Watson goes there the, one of those guys come back and then that's the guy that's potentially starting over Davis Mills but if they send him to a place send Watson to a place uh, like Denver or, you know, Pittsburgh or, or somewhere where he's not getting, you know, the, the other guys coming back to replace Davis Mills. There's a lot to like about him, you know, so I, I don't know. I agree with Heath. I don't know if he's ever going to emerge as a, as a number one fantasy quarterback, but he could be in that Kirk Cousins range. He could be in that Derek Carr range. He could be in that Ryan Tannehill range, you know, however they get there. You know, obviously those guys do a lot of different things, how they produce, but you know, it could be one of those guys like, you know, maybe Tannehill's not not fair to say because he was starting and, and being drafted as a starter. But one of those guys like, OK, by the end of the season, why didn't I draft him in this spot? Or, or you know, I'm winning my fantasy league because of this guy. And so the Texans have, you know, a lot of ammunition potentially to improve their roster. And if they do it with some good skill players and good offensive line and and Davis Mills now have, has a better situation around him, it would not be a surprise if, if fantasy managers are talking about him by the end of the 2022 campaign as a guy who helped them win the league. I just don't really understand taking him ahead of Mac Jones. I just don't, I don't get that, especially if on one show we're talking about, hey, I'm kind of, you know, I might be buying into these rumors that Kyle Shanahan really did want Mac Jones at number three overall and not Trey Lance. Right. But, you know, so he could have been the third pick of the draft if Shanahan got his way. And yet, you, you know, you're taking a third round pick over Mac Jones, who was 15th, who just had a tr- really tremendous rookie season. I, I, but I, not for fantasy at all. We're talking about fantasy. No, football. but but it was it was a it was a dreadful. He was worse than Jared Goff. But yeah, but like, does that matter? I mean, it's not like Davis Mills. Yeah, was how would so you ever good. take a third round pick over a first round talent, Russell Wilson? Right? How would that ever go? <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I, like, I think Davis Mills was better than him in the full games that he played. I don't Adam, know. You're I, doing it right for now. You have to draft. You have to take a quarterback. Who are you drafting? Mac Jones or Davis Mills? I'm taking Mac Jones. Why? I just. I, I respect what he did. I, first of all, I respect mostly because everyone had him ranked ahead of Davis Mills a year <laughs> okay. ago. And because if Bill Belichick and, and Kyle Shanahan are going to take Mac Jones over Davis Mills, that's going to resonate a lot more to me than what you and Heath are saying right now. Sorry, no offense. It should, right? So why wouldn't I, why would I take Davis Mills over Mac Jones? Well, Chris, go back to your evaluation of these guys last 
last year. Uh, Davis Mills was hurt, right? If I'm not mistaken, coming coming out of Stanford. Yeah. Uh, had he been yeah. 100% healthy and not necessarily on a uh, – I mean, clearly the, the caliber of team is, is different. So you're seeing Mac Jones a lot more, and people are obviously resonating with that a lot more. But um, just in terms of their play, who is the better quarterback to when healthy? I, I think it was Davis Mills, uh, and, and he was a late riser during the pre-draft process because, like you mentioned, he was hurt, and he only started for like 14 games at Stanford. I was on a recent podcast where they said if Davis Mills would have stayed, like he would have been relatively high in this draft class because he was a major recruit. The arm talent showed at Stanford throwing 30, 40, 50 yards downfield under pressure. He's a pretty good athlete. He's not – uh, you know, a, an elite caliber athlete by today's quarterback standards, but just the traits that you're always looking at when you're a draft analyst, Davis Mills is just more impressive in the, in all those areas than Mac Jones. And I think if you flip both of the quarterbacks, if you put Davis Mills on the Alabama uh, teams the past couple seasons or Davis Mills in New England this past year, I think Davis Mills would have been just as good, if not better, than Mac Jones with all the first round receivers and such an insulated environment with a really good play designer in Josh McDaniels this past season. Okay, so people and, love and, to ask and, me questions to make me look bad, but I'm going to make you answer <laughs> it, Jamie. Are yeah. you, as now reevaluating, are you telling me that you would draft Davis Mills ahead of Mac Jones? After watching them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You could be right. I just, you know, like I said, I'm going to trust. What the NFL, what the, well, what the NFL community thought last year, and then I, I still think we're just being too hard on Mac Jones because I think I don't think Mac Jones. This isn't this isn't Mac Jones is bad. It kind of is Mac Jones no, is it's bad. Not. No, it's not. He, he, he just feels. And again, I hope I'm wrong because I like to see you know players be great. But I, I, I feels like he has a ceiling, and I don't yeah. know if we, it, it, and we may have seen it, and it, I don't know what Davis Mills' ceiling is because. He was just surrounded by a disaster. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mac Jones, you know, I mean, look, we all thought that the Patriots were going to have a turnaround based on how the 2020 season unfolded compared to 2021 because of the, you know, just a better, you know, all the guys adopted out and, and coming back and, you know, just a, a better roster. And it played itself out that way. And so if Mac Jones can be a difference maker, then those games against the Bills that mattered, not the, the snow game, the, the, the ones that, you know, he needed to win and play better. And hopefully he plays better. And, and the game against, you know, the, the games against Miami, he plays better. And, you know, when he's facing a little bit tougher competition, does he play better? And, you know, and, you know, Davis Mills played better against Mac Jones when those two teams went head to head. You know, nobody thought that the, the yeah, Texans well, were going to win that game. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was you surprise. know, he was, he was a monster in that game, you know, and, and, you saw, you just see flashes and, 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 you know, again, I, I don't think I'm, I'm right on this. I don't, I don't know until we see it, you know, when their rosters are as close to, you know, as, as good as they can be. And maybe Mac Jones has already been that way, but I just see a little bit more upside in Davis Mills. And and again, I, I, I think he might be a better talent. And I think from a fantasy perspective, especially next year, because the Titan or the Texans are definitely like a few years away from being even close to being a contender from a fantasy like angle, he's going to be playing from behind a lot. He had four games over 300 yards passing. Uh, I think the Patriots will be pretty stable. I don't know if 
during the end of the Bill Belichick era, they're going to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders again. But you will see a lot of, you know, 15 of 25 for 220 yards with one touchdown and one interception games from Mac Jones. You can see a lot of like backdoor 300 yard games Mm -hmm. from Davis Mills as the start of this past or this next season. It never felt to me like the Texans were are were or are completely sold on Davis Mills. That's another thing. I uh, just every week I would kind of try to read a little bit. I never really saw a ton of buy-in, and that was that always kind of stood out to me. No, people aren't but really they, talking about Davis I, Mills like, oh, we've got our guy. I don't think I, they feel that I way. Think, I don't think you're wrong in that regard, but I also think again, it depends what they do with their biggest asset to trade. You know, if you send him to some place that has a guy that might have a better pedigree, they have to explore that. So whether it's Jalen Hurts, who, you know, for the most part, you could say same pedigree, but um, obviously, you know, different history. But in terms of draft capital spent, it was it was the same. Um, with Tua, clearly there's there's a different, you know, name and and what you the expectations associated with it. So you have to see what you have there. But I think if it's just okay. Are we? We're not going. We're not dipping our toes into the free agent market. We're not necessarily going to go into the draft because it's not a huge quarterback class to go out and get somebody that's better than Davis Mills. And as Chris told you, you know, Mills might be the the prime guy if he was in this class coming out now. So he just he just looked he looked good enough to say, okay, let's give it a chance in year two and let's see with a better you know situation. You know, and, and I don't know if Lovey's the better coach from what they had a year ago. I don't know if the the personnel is going to necessarily be dramatically better, but this team was just in cap hell, draft hell. You know, I mean, Bill O'Brien decimated this roster and then the Watson situation was, was just the, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. the nail in the coffin. And so, you know, now they're trying to build back up and they might've just gotten lucky with the next great day two draft quarterback. Yeah. Heath, I I think you wanted to get in there. No, I was just like going back to what you were saying. Um, I felt like you were making an argument for Mac Jones' floor over Davis Mills' floor. That matters more to me in like the Fields-Lawrence-Lance debate than it does in the Mac Jones-Davis Mills debate, if we're talking about fantasy football. like The cost for those two guys in fantasy football is so low that I don't really care what their floor is. The odds are neither one of them is ever going to help me win a fantasy championship, but I think it's po- more possible with Mills than it is with Jones. Okay, it's good. And point. I will go point. back to what you said in regards to nobody was talking about Davis Mills to the same level. Mac Jones, your own guy was Pete Prisco was he loved loved Davis Mills and still does. All right, so we'll take a break, Chris. I want to thank you for joining us. By the way, great stuff. Oh, Appreciate sure. it, man. Uh, Thanks, Chris. And always follow him Thanks, on Twitter at Chris Trapasso, T R A P A S S O. And when we come back, we'll talk dynasty. Right now, or right uh, in a minute on fantasy football today. See you later. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right. Sorry, uh, we're back here. I was supposed to remove Chris. Chris, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to kick you out now. <laughs> Goodbye, Chris. Okay. <laughs> that was a fantastic. That's why I needed a producer for that, and I didn't have one today. So, yeah, that was great. Uh, all right, Teeth, um, I had some Dynasty questions, but I can just kind of make it completely open, an open space here, safe space, if you want to share some Dynasty thoughts, or I can ask you. I just um, updated quarterback and running back rankings today. Ah. Wide receiver and tight end are coming tomorrow. So if you wanted to talk quarterback and running back rankings, I am ready for those discussions. Although I think we just talked about a lot of the quarterback stuff. A little bit, but only with five players, basically. But what's the most interesting thing, I guess, with six players? What's the most interesting rankings adjustment you made? Um, I think it's probably Deshaun Watson. Like the thing I wrote about was Russell Wilson, but that was because kind of sparked by the stuff we talked about on yesterday's show earlier today. Um, so I, I I think it's how I'm starting to feel a little bit more confident and it's, I made it clear in the article. This is totally just my feeling. I don't know anything more than anybody else that Watson's going to play football this year. And that this situation is not going to have a worst case scenario outcome for him. I've had him closer to QB 20 um, than QB 10. And I, I moved him up. He's uh, he's at 14 now and, and, and rising. And listen, if we haven't talked about the whole situation a whole lot for a good reason. But if six months from now, Deshaun Watson has no off the field issues and he is on a new team, you might have a top five. In fact, I think you do have a top five dynasty quarterback. I've got Kyler Murray at fifth right now. And if there were no issues whatsoever with Deshaun Watson that didn't involve football, I would take Watson over Murray. So where did like you say what team he's on? Where'd you say you had him? Uh, I've got him 14 right now. Okay. Okay. And anything else at quarterback that you want to talk about? Um, I think it's interesting what to do with Rodgers. Yeah, since he was the other news item from yesterday, just because he kind of, man, he's thirty eight years old, and his his value is basically limited to four or five teams in your league. But he also could be a top five quarterback this year. So, who do you have, Rogers or Watson? I have Watson at fourteen, Rogers at fifteen. Jamie, well, I don't do dynasty yeah, rankings, but I would definitely have. take Watson over Rogers. You would. Dynasty wise, which is, you know, just absurd <laughs> if, you, if you just think about it, because <laughs> one guy may never play football again and the other guy could still have two or three years of just MVP level performance. But um, clearly, if, if Watson's cleared to play, you're taking the long term upside of what he can be and, you know, hopefully still be. Well, that's the thing is both guys may never play football again. Both guys may never play football again, but one one may not have a choice. I mean, Watson is so good. 
It is going to be interesting. This is, uh, he's facing quite, uh, he's facing a lot, obviously, and hopefully we'll have a resolution in the next few months there. Uh, okay, how about running back adjustments? Um, I, th- I think, you know, looking at that, that it's the 27-year-olds. We've got a handful of guys. We've talked about this before. 28 and beyond for running backs is should be terrifying to you. And we, I think everybody agrees to that on a macro level. Like if you have an aging elite running back, that's the most dangerous thing you could have. But then when we talk about individual players, nobody wants to believe it about those guys. Hmm. And when we get to next year, we've got Alston Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, all 27 or 28 years when you, old. When you say next year, you mean the start of the 2022 season? The start season? of the 22 season. Okay. Yes, by by kickoff of opening week, all of those guys are 27 or 28 years old. <laughs> the odds are that like four or five of those guys are going to see a huge drop in their value in the next 12 months. Yeah, I know who everyone's circling, right? It's Zeke. Everyone, I think people are are worried about Zeke. Who, who were the names again? Oh, I mean, you you should be password about Zeke. You you've already seen the the worry point of Zeke. Yeah. The other you guys might- are the ones you have to worry about. I think yeah, I think you might have missed your cell Zeke window. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and who else? Like that's the thing is like with with Alvin Kamara, if he has a six game suspension and his age twenty seven season, we find out is going to be 10, 10 games or eleven games. He's probably. You have to, you know, <laughs> the the, and we should we don't I don't think we do enough of this is you know when to trade in dynasty you know when to you know bail on a team. Um, like, you know, and, and you and Dave, I think are good, uh, candidates to discuss this because like you bailed seeing that this was headed for your roster. You know, you had a good playoff run in the 2020 season. You saw that you had, uh, parts that were not necessarily going to be successful long-term. You know, you might've been able to contend this year, especially the way that our dynasty league is set up. Um, but would you have won a championship? And, and that's the question I think a lot of people don't necessarily have the ability to answer about their own roster because every time you like I'm in uh, two dynasty leagues, the one with you and then another one. And like my, my team, I think for the last probably four or five years, I don't don't know what year we're in, maybe year seven um, after having won two of the first three years has still been very successful. But like, I'm at the point now where like Michael Thomas has disappointed me for two years in a row. Christian McCaffrey's disappointed me for two years in a row. You know, I've gotten lucky with some of my draft picks um, that I'm still able to be very much in contention. But it's it's such a hard decision to make about when you're going to bail. Like Dave, I think, should not have bailed. Like it, we had this right. conversation many times. Like he, he still would have been in a very good spot and he may have improved himself for next year. But uh, with some of the draft picks that he acquired. But it's like it's such a tough decision that you have to make about when do you actually step away from your team and say, OK, this is just not working. How do I, you know, and and it's do you trade Dalvin Cook while you may be a middle of the pack team, or Alvin Kamara is a middle of the pack team, or you know Eckler and these guys, and is there enough coming back your way to to make it worth your while? Yeah, of those guys, Eckler is the only one who's still in my top eight in Dynasty. Almost all these guys were um, one year ago. Um, Eckler's the only one who's still in my top eight. Um, but I think really, like Jamie said, if, if you're a middle of the road team, I think if you're not one of the top, if you can't look at your league and make the argument that you have one of the three or four best teams, every one of these guys 
should be on the trading block. Are you who are you nervous about in your top ten at running back, other than maybe Eckler? But who gives you some pause? Um, the dynasty, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'd say I mean Dalvin Cook's eleventh, so that that would be one for sure. The other one's probably for me. I mean, I've got DeAndre Swift third. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's and scary. That, That's scary to me. That, that makes me a little bit worried if his passing game role shrinks at all or if he has another injury and gets to the injury-prone label. Oh, man. So who's four, five, six right behind Swift? Javante's four. McCaffrey's five. Eckler's six. Uh, huh. But you you could, I mean, across the board, you can nitpick every single one, of the, including Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Like, you could find a flaw with all these guys. Who's two? Am I missing this? Najee. Oh, Najee, right. Yeah, I wonder if any of the rookies will jump into the top five, top three. Um, I think if if Miami gets their hands on one, (laughs) you know, people are going to get overexcited about that. I I think there's there's three at the top. Um, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, and is it Kenneth Walker? Kenneth Walker, baby. Yes. Love him. He's third for me. But I think if any of those three guys are drafted in like the first 35 picks into a decent situation, they probably jump into the top 10. Okay, top 10. I mean, you know, then you have to start asking, all right, well, let's see. The Dolphins just took Kenneth Walker. Do I take him over aging Austin Eckler in Dynasty? You know, I mean, (laughs) could be. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're not one of the top four teams in the league, I think you definitely should. Does running back kind of stink right now? Is that what I'm thinking? is this a, a a pivot time in the running back position? Are we about to have a big time changing of the guard or something like that? Or is it just is it just not that good? I I don't really I'm not liking what I hear right now at running back. <laughs> right? Because we've I think had, it depends on what you're you know looking for, and I mean we could still get another year or two out of these guys, not necessarily the entire group, but you know if McCaffrey has a resurgence, if Barkley has a resurgence, you can clearly see if those guys are healthy, what they're capable of doing. You know, so there, there's going to be, you know, a player or two, if not more, that we just don't expect to have, you know, hopefully sustained success, you know, whether it's a guy like Singletary or Penny or, you know, coming off strong finishes. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a pivot point yet, but there, there's, there's, we're a year away, I think, from that's this whole group, you know, right. You know, Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, Eckler, Zeke. Barkley, you know, potentially. I mean, he's still young, but um, you know you what know, though? Maybe, maybe it's the fact that these guys are catching fewer passes it makes them seem less valuable than the wide receivers. I think it's a it's a different discussion in redraft versus dynasty, but because in dynasty you can look at it and you can see like a majority of our top ten over the last three or four years are all approaching the cliff together, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't know like like Jamie said, a couple of them might last two more years. But it's like it's really close to that that flip over, and uh, there's going to be some teams that that get hurt because they hold on too long. It's also a year where the guys at the top, you know, we all saw Jonathan Taylor could be great, and then I think just collectively, depending on however far you dropped him, panicked because of Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz. So take him out of the equation. But it was McCaffrey getting hurt. It was Henry getting hurt. It was Barkley not. Being good again, it was um, Kamara and Galvin Cook having somewhat down seasons, you know, based on the expectations. It was Zeke having a down season after a strong start, you know. So 
almost that entire half. Clyde was a layer, another bad season, you know, on top of getting hurt, you know, so it really wasn't the guys at the top that we expected. You know, we saw, okay, this could be the year for Joe Mixon, but how many years in a row we said that this, this, you know, is a great setup for Najee Harris and he delivered, you know, so, you know, depending on how far you go, you know, same thing with Austin Eckler is almost like Joe Mixon. You know, we, okay, this is the year for, for Eckler and he, he, you know, took off. So I think it's just based on, you know, how you came away from this past year and your feelings about, you know, drafting at the top. So, and it goes back to our rankings dispute. You know, I, I think the people that had success with their first round picks are, are going to go back to either those same guys or, or drafting a running back in those spots, or they're going to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting. I'm, I'm going to take Cooper cup. I'm going to take Adams. I'm going to take Jefferson, I'm gonna take chase, you know, and, and get away from that completely. Mm-hmm. Well, I also wonder if we had this, uh, this incredible draft class, 2017, Fournette, McCaffrey, Cook, Mixon, Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Deontay Foreman, James Conner. Uh, I thought Aaron Jones was in this one. Aaron Jones. Yep. yep. Jamal Williams. Uh, this is a historic. Chris Carson. Historically awesome running back class. And it's, it's fading. Mm. Okay. Well, we are, uh, yeah, we're out of time. So check out Fantasy Football Today in 5. Jamie and I are going to record that right now. You can check that out on YouTube. On Thursday, we're back to talk about the rookie running backs and evaluate them. Thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. Thank you to Chris Trapasso as well. For Heath and Jamie, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you on Thursday on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.